Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talk Gnosis After Dark. We are continuing our discussion with author Scott Jones, uh, author of the book, When the Stars Are Right, Towards an Authentic Rileyan Spirituality. Welcome back, Scott. Uh, we had an interesting uh, YouTube cast earlier, um, but let's kind of dive right back into this. We were talking about uh, Rileyan Spirituality. Um, one of the questions that I had for you, and we got a little bit into uh, right at the very end of the show, was that to me it kind of strikes a lot of similarities uh, from from what I'm hearing uh, between maybe some of the works of Kenneth Grant as well as uh, Austin Osmond uh, Spares and I think others within that particular current. Um, you had expressed that, uh, yeah, you had read some of their works and there were some influences, but maybe uh, you could explain to our listeners how this particular spirituality may differ from from some of those things that they may already be familiar with. Well, in terms of, say, uh, Kenneth Grant's work, uh, mm -hmm. uh, obviously with his uh, Typhonian trilogy, uh, with a lot of his uh, a lot of his later work, uh, Grant was uh, making, uh, you know, some fairly uh, heavy inferences regarding Lovecraft's uh, position as sort of a secret priest of the great old ones that he was an unaware or half aware or an unconscious channel for uh, entities which he could uh, which you know he could perceive but not understand and so you know and be, being who he was which was you know basically a white middle class guy uh, you know in the in the 30s uh, just uh, you know naturally sort of dress them all in monsters skins uh, and Although, although I, I I see where Grant's Grant's coming with that, it it tends to uh, for me anyways. It it's less important for me whether or not the great old ones have an objective ex existence. You know, mm -hmm. I don't need for there to be an actual Cthulhu. You know, a, you know, a, uh, you know, physically resident at in his house at Rilia, you know, somewhere in the in the South Pacific. Uh, <laughs> don't 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 need that. Although, you know. How awesome would that be? But I mean, that's basically the. That's as as I understand it. That's that's kind of where Grant was coming from. That there was, you know, there was an objective ex existence to these, you know, uh, transdimensional beasties, and Lovecraft was tapping in. I do believe Lovecraft was tapping in, but I think I believe he was tapping into, you know, just. Uh, you know that general sense that we all we all kind of get at three in the morning that you know there is a you know there is a horrific aspect to the world and our existence uh and that there's then there's ways to work work with that knowledge which you know that's definitely what what grant's about i think mm -hmm. uh we're, we're working with that knowledge from the night side you know those trans plutonian energies <laughs> Yugoth on the rim and what have you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, definitely I was inspired by Grant. Uh, to a lesser extent by Austin Osmond Spare, although, you know, absolutely love his work. I have some collections of his art. I mean, there's, you know, if you want to talk about atavistic resurgence, you know, which is definitely something that uh, Lovecraft was uh, had as a theme in his work. You know, that's, uh, that was, that was Spare all the way. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Scott, one thing I wanted to ask you about, and it was a really interesting part of your book at the very beginning, where you talk about how even before you encountered the work of Lovecraft, you had a, a very significant dream. Mm. Yeah, that's in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was uh, that that was definitely uh, you know that was a, a watershed moment in my you know in my personal spiritual development where it was just you know uh, an incursion. Uh, one could say, I guess, you know, from, you know, from, uh, from that which was outside. Uh, and as, as I've worked with the material that that, uh, you know, incursion brought, I've, I've necessarily moved through a number of interpretations about what it was, how it's affected my life, you know, what it's, uh, you know, what it's meant to me in regards to ideas about identity, consciousness, mm -hmm. time. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the, uh, did you want the details of the dream? It was kind of interesting. Uh, Monsignor Stratford mentioned it in his introduction, and he noted that the dreams are, are kind of the, in, a, in a rationalistic society, Dreams are kind of the last refuge for these kinds of experiences. I mean, if you have this right. experience and you're not in a dream, then you're expected then you're, to go see a psychiatrist. Right, or then you're crazy. Really explain yourself. Yeah, but it's yeah, okay get, to have get, a dream. Get away from us. Yeah, it's okay, <laughs> it's okay to encounter all these things in dreams. And that remains our one last refuge. Yeah, dreams are given a pass uh, for sure. Um, so yeah, the 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 context. I don't, I, I'll, I'll I'll let the readers re, uh, read about yeah. it. But basically, the the, con, the the basics of the dream were it had a re, it had a repeating nature. It was it definitely had that old school sort of biblical seven nights of seven nights of dreaming. Yeah. Um, there was a moment at which uh, I would always wake from the dream, and it was. Uh, at the just before what I perceived to be the the pivotal moment that would occur, uh, and things got definitely you know and you know the 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 significance of the it's it's always it's always boring hearing people t talk about their dreams. <laughs> this I is always like personally myself, significant but, for them, but yeah. so you know that moment where it's like and and here is here is the significant part of the dream in which I I will not forget this. Uh, that was that was what, in retrospect, became interesting about it, uh, because by the time I had had this dream six nights in a row, and you have to understand too, I was fourteen, fifteen years old. Um, yeah, by the time I'd had it six nights in a row, this was you know indelibly stamped. I was not going to lose this in any way, shape, or form. It's you know I can, I, I can smell it even as I sit here. Uh, it had, you know, that kind of potency to it. Um, but nevertheless, there I was, you know, my little teen self decided in the light of rational Apollonian day to just kind of sit down and I should probably get this down in writing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I should, uh, I should get a little notebook and I should prepare a pen and, oh, I should prepare another pen in case the second pen runs out of ink. You know, maybe a pencil too. You know, this was my rationalization as, right. as I worked through it. Which was, you know, completely useless because there was no way I was going to forget it. Uh, and then, of course, the the seventh and last night of 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 the dream, it went past the pivotal moment. the The thing in itself occurred, uh, and I woke and I wrote down. You know, I filled three pages full of text, and then I fell back asleep like you do after you know 
great psychic effort and uh, woke up the next morning to find uh, not English. Yeah. <laughs> and not anything. Uh, something with, you know, definite, you know, definite structure, uh, letter forms, syntax, uh, you know, the whole deal. Uh, but uh, n not anything I had ever seen, not anything I had ever, you know, put down on paper. And as the, you know, and as the years have passed, not anything that anyone has ever seen. Huh. Uh, <laughs> and it used to agitate me greatly. Not so much anymore. I'm less concerned with the actual contents, although, you know, I have been affiliated and sort of the special, I've been the project of groups who have, you know, been convinced that, you know, they had, uh, you know, uh, uh, they, what was the name of Crowley's, uh, uh, sorry, Crowley's, uh, Crowley's little friend there <laughs> when he was writing the book of the law. Oh, Basically, I, that's what I they, was. I was. Yes. Yeah, yes. So they thought they had another I was on their hands. And I'm like, I'm really not so sure. Uh, <laughs> and uh, eventually it just beca it became so uh, problematic, you know. Because it was, it was not, uh, you know, it was, it was not revealing itself. You know, I, I, you know, under under trance and in various states, you know, I've I've managed to produce quite a lot of it. You know, reams and reams of the stuff. I think, you know, the actual production is the is the whole point of it. I I don't know that there's anything. It's just a very weird thing. <laughs> it's been, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's so it's certainly informed. It's certainly informed. You know all the all the various passages that have brought me to you know uh, writing the book and uh, writing this particular book and getting down into it. Yeah, then it'll probably carry you throughout the path as well. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's kind of a touchstone. It's it's the one thing I can point to and say I have no idea what's going on there, and and that's good. It's good yeah. to have that. It's good to have that that. Uh, that mystery present. One question I also wanted to ask is that you, you make a dis you distinguish between uh, Rileyan spirituality instead of using the word Lovecraftian spirituality. <laughs> yeah. Could you um, explain why that is? Um, Lovecraftians. Uh, well, that's the thing is that most uh, love. <laughs> Here we're getting into the pop cultural aspects of uh, you know Lovecraft's Lovecraft's uh, legacy. Mm -hmm. uh, there's lots of ways to play, you know, to play at being sort of a, a great old ones cultist, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it always, it basically, it, it basically goes that far. You know, you can, you can wear the T-shirt. You can, ha you know, you can buy the little statues from the shops. Uh, you know, you can memorize the gobbledygook if you like. Uh, you can play the role-playing games. Mm -hmm. uh, you can watch the. Stuart Gordon movies, you know, you can do all these, and all of which, fantastic, great fun, you know, uh, people would not be so into it if it were not, you know, so if it were not thoroughly enjoyable on some level. Um, but I wanted to make that, dis I wanted to make a distinction between let's all play at being cultists and, you know, let's, let's take a look at, you know, some of the deeper themes within Lovecraft's fiction, because they are there, mm -hmm. right? Instead of just dressing in robes and chanting "ya ya" Cthulhu Fatagan and you know having a, having a good old time with it, you know, and who hasn't done that? <laughs> I haven't right? yet. But <laughs> Give it a go. Well, <laughs> some night. 
Is it Bishop Canterbury? Uh, and- <laughs> <laughs> scary from the animals. Uh, you know, I just wanted to m- m- make a distinction between that and, uh, you know, some of the really interesting uh, themes and uh, uh, things that were going on inside Lovecraft's fiction and, you know, l- l- less so inside it as, you know, all the stuff that's between the lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if Lovecraft had lived longer, he would have he would have gotten even more interesting uh, in his, you know, in his philosophies and his, you know, where he where he was going with all this. You see, you see in his later stories that he's kind of getting over the horror thing that it was his, you know, his his go to his go to genre, you know, horror and and weird fiction. Uh, you see it in his uh, in his story, you know, the shadow out of time, which. The the scary stuff is almost a gloss. It's like he, oh, that's right. This was a scary. I should throw in something scary here. Everywhere else, it's just awe. You know, the entire, you know, at the mountains of madness. You know, yes, there's some, uh, you know, there's some, uh, you know, some disturbing elements to it. There's some, there's some shock and horror. But essentially, what what you've got with it is, you know, this long narrative of, of deep time. Of you know uh, civilizations rising and falling and uh, all all that uh, 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 all that attends to that and you know he just really got into building these uh, building these concepts and then you get to the end of the story and you go oh that's right I should have somebody go nuts from all this <laughs> even though they've done pretty well you know right up to that point there's always a breaking point for a Lovecraftian protagonist so you know these things are these you know these these aspects of sort of a cosmic unhuman spirituality are, are there and uh yeah that's that's what i that's what i was shooting for so would you differ say then and say um you say that people for example unlike the way lovecraft wrote his stories people don't actually have to break it is possible with a relay and spirituality to not break and to be transformed yeah. rather than broken yeah. Yeah, the uh, being broken by uh, you know ex- ex- exposure to madness, right? Mm-hmm. Just means that you were too. You know, it's it's like that old it's like that old Zen koan. You know, it's the, the 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 reed bends, the reed bends and it bounces back up after after the you know after the storm of perception has passed, right? Um, Lovecraftian protagonists, you know, uh, broke on the daily. <laughs> that, that was that was what they were there for to break. Uh, there's, but the, you know, there is another, there is another uh, way to go. I think in uh, in Lovecraft's story, uh, the Shadow over Innsmouth, that that definitely uh, shows up. Uh, Robert M. Price. I don't know if you're familiar with Mr. Uh, Mr. Price. Uh, he's basically a, a Lovecraft scholar, and uh, he does a podcast called The Bible Geek. Very interesting guy, uh, but basically he di- he did a number of uh, editorial gigs for Chaosium where he he put out a lot of books and he wrote an interesting analysis of the Shadow over Innsmouth, in which basically you have a protagonist learns you know he goes to the he goes to the uh, nasty old coastal town and he learns that there are you know. Uh, terrible uh, uh, froggy fishmen that live in the reef 
offshore and they're breeding with the locals and is generally unpleasant. Uh, <laughs> and and the whole upshot of the story, you know, after you know, uh, running down the railroad road tracks and being chased by by fish dudes and what have you, um, he learns that his own genetic heritage is his own ancestry is that he's you know he's got that in him as well he's going to change he's going to change into one of these things he's going to dive down to Yohannath Lay and uh, you know which is the city off of the reef and uh, it's you know it's it's as the reader we're, we're meant to look at it and go oh it's terrible he's he's gone mad he's going to turn into one of these monsters oh shudder and yet the language Lovecraft uses at the end you know for, you know the language he puts in his protagonist's mouth is is basically you know we shall dive down to you know fabled Yohannath Lay and there live forever in wonder and glory <laughs> right wow sounds decent <laughs> let's okay, all go <laughs> so yeah it's relaying spirituality is about basically uh yeah not not getting broken being fluid enough with your identity you know with your ideas about self that uh you know when 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 the storm of madness hits you know when the black gnosis hits uh you're changed certainly of course you're changed uh but you're not so firm that you you know that, that 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 you crack and are no longer functional it's functional madness yes. functional. i now have octopus's garden uh the song by the beatles running through my head <laughs> 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 yeah. ringo knew ringo knew he was yeah, yeah. He did. so father tony you have some questions you always have good questions actually we have a question from one of our patreon supporters uh, awesome. oh excellent so uh there are a number of Necronomicons that have been published uh, that purport to be, you know, um, actual, authentic, uh, magical systems based on Lovecraft's work. Have you run into any of those, and what's your opinion? I have run into all of them, sir. <laughs> I suspected as much. Uh, you know, that's, it, the Necronomicon is, again, here's another absolute... Uh, cultural touchstone for Lovecraftiana is uh, is is that book absolutely uh, you know Lovecraft uh, created it at, created it out of whole cloth and he put it on the bookshelves uh, of his of the people in his stories and he put it up cheek to jowl with books that actually existed so it quickly took on uh, you know the uh, the energy of the real you know it became it became something that uh, that readers looked at and go, well, hold on, you know, if it's if the Necronomicon is right next, you know, right next door to uh, Miss Margaret Murray's The Witch Cult in uh, Western Europe or uh, you know uh, Fraser's The Golden Bow, what's this Lovecraft going on about? So it took on an energy of its own, uh, certainly enough that eventually someone was going to actually make it lovecraft himself did a did a brief you know history of the he did a small mo small monograph the history of the necronomicon in which he listed you know uh where abdul el hazard had written it and he'd finished it in damascus and i don't know when fifth century uh you know and then the various translations and you know suppression by the church and you know uh, the distribution and destruction of the book across across the across the centuries uh so of course somebody was going to say hey look what i found in a dusty old uh 
<laughs> in a dusty old bookshop, fabled, which I can't find. The fabled bookstall that pops up whenever somebody that needs it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and isn't there when you go back the next day to try to take the damn thing back. Um, so, of course, somebody was going to try to uh, ha have a go at it. Uh, the most famous, of course, is the uh, what's known as the Simon Necronomicon or the Simonomicon, uh, which uh, was put out by, I think, Golden Goblin Press out of New York in the early 70s. And it's basically, uh, you know, it's a uh, uh, Simon, I believe, is Peter Lavenda. I not sh I'm, don't quote me on that. <laughs> so n noted, uh, noted New York occultist, I guess, secretive fellow. Uh, but basically, you know, that was a, a cobbled together sort of source book of Sumerian magic sigils, and you know, with a with a nice uh, sort of Lovecraftian gloss over top for flavor. And that thing has sold 800,000 copies. It's still in print. <laughs> Amazing All stuff. Right. Where so um but in terms so what were you asking in regards to the Necronomicon? Had I run across them or what did I think about the actual book? Mostly what do you think about it? What do I think about the actual book? I think it has in in ter in terms of what the Relayan should do about the, in my mind what the Relayan uh benefit is to the Necronomicon is that it does need to be brought into the world uh, but I think that's a very personal task that each Relayan sort of takes takes on as, as their own um, uh, it must be transcribed but unfortunately most most transcriptions due to the extremely geeky nature of you know Lovecraft fandom and you know uh, usually are too comprehensible you know mm -hmm. uh, lots of lots of black letter text lots of doodles of monsters <laughs> it basically if if you if if you if you're in I, I mentioned this in the book basically if if you're if you're sitting in your friend's house and you and there's a book on the coffee table and you open it and you go <laughs> what's this the necronomicon it's <laughs> it's it's useless as a spiritual tool for actually accessing the black gnosis you know because it's already had that sort of and now we have now we have a fake, you know. Now we have something which is, you know, removed from by only one degree from the original hoax. Uh, so, but then again, I, I I I go into it in great detail in the book as to exactly what uh, you know what your what your own private Necronomicon should be. Uh, but yeah, comprehensibility is the is the last thing you want. <laughs> and it probably shouldn't just be hanging out on the coffee table either. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm interested in in kind of your background. What what brings you to this, and you know what what's your spiritual journey and all that stuff. So you know, in about a, a, you know, 140 characters or so, yeah. right? 140 characters. Uh, I'm the uh, I'm the son of uh, an elder in the. Uh, uh, my dad's a Jehovah's Witness. I was. Uh, for quite a, you know, basically into my into my early twenties, there was uh, a considerable degree of conflict as I, you know, assimilated those ideas and actually, you know, entered into life and found that they were, you know, quickly becoming untenable. Um, not not just for my, not just as they ran up against my, you know, already aforementioned weird weirdness, but you know, just as they ran up against the world, you know, uh, functioning with uh, you know other folks and. Uh, it just uh, did not work for me. So 
Uh, I discovered uh, Gnosticism not not long after after leaving uh, the the Watchtower uh, Society, uh, and I extricated myself from them as well, which which is which is which is always weird for them because they like to kick you out, <laughs> right? They, 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 they like to make it a sure thing. And, and it was not sure for them when I left. I was just like, bye. Can't do it, guys. Uh, got my reasons. I'm sure you're familiar with a few of them. Um, yeah, so when I, discuss, when, I, when I started, you know, as invariably you do when you leave a group like that, you begin to, uh, you know, uh, read quite a bit. You get quite voracious. Well, at least I did. Uh, and so when I discovered, you know, the early, you know, the Desert Fathers and the early, some of the early Gnostic texts, I, I, I recognized myself in there. I was like, this is, uh, this is attractive. I'm, there's a resonance, which is jumping between me and this, and, and the person on the other side of this, uh, on the other side of this book. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's about it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> You know, uh, occasional forays into uh, you know chaos magic and uh, uh, thelemic occultism. You know, just more you know out of peer pressure than anything else. You know, hanging with the, hanging with thelemites will do that for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And what was you it know, specifically? Uh, what was it specifically about Lovecraft that you know you looked at this and said, "Hey, this is you know, I've got to write a book." Oh, uh, right. Oh, ah. Uh, well, honestly, it started off as a joke. Um, I it was it was kind of it, it. I entered into it almost almost as a gag, you know how how to write. It just it it, it came to me almost out of the blue uh, that somebody should do you know a, a sort of a serious examination of Cthulhu and Yog Sothoth as you know spiritual entities and not monsters. So, you know, it's time to give them their due. Uh, but then as I sat with it. Mm -hmm. You know, and actually, and actually began to, you know, to 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 run with some of the ideas that started to, you know, breed in the in the spaces, uh, in the spaces between these these critters. You know, then it it became well. Now we have to now we have to address this a little more seriously because I'm starting to feel actual resonance. This is this is what I'm I'm relaying. I believe this actually <laughs> surprised me more than anybody else. I thought, well, it started off as a gag, but. It, Seems I'm actually running with it. So, but what you know? Are you asking uh, you know how how I discovered Lovecraft, or you know why why Lovecraft had that resonance? Yeah, mostly why you know because we've there's been an awful lot of uh, uh, discussion on this show in the past about Lovecraft, and and it seems that there is a um, there's a connection between those who are drawn to Gnosticism and those who are drawn to Lovecraft, there's, there seems to be a lot of overlap. And so, yeah. well, the great old ones are essentially archons, you know, mm -hmm. they're, uh, you know, they're, they're vastly powerful and, uh, you know, in, in different, uh, in different entities, uh, who, you know, are, are the basis of the world. They're the, you know, they're, they're the, they're the, they're the secret history you know, they're the secret history and basis for you know for everything that we know. It's played off as horror, of course, but uh, uh, for me, coming uh, arriving at Lovecraft, you know, considering considering my personal history and the whole uh, dream channeling text thing, you know, coming across stories of uh, you know 
maddened sorcerers, you know, with access to these things was certainly, you know, it had a bit more kick for me than than uh, than others maybe. Uh, it was also, uh, you know, interesting at the time to, you know, come across the uh, idea of, uh, you know, uh, deities that didn't necessarily watch you every second of the day. <laughs> you know, ass assessing your behavior on the fly. That didn't, you know, because you were essentially a fly. Um, so it, it it was it was it was refreshing. As nihilism is often refreshing to the young man, right? mm -hmm. it's like it's like wow, it's all crap. I can just ignore it. Uh, of course, <laughs> you know, you, you you get over that eventually. One hopes. <laughs> I guess this is I guess this is uh, you know uh, when the stars are right is uh, for me uh, me getting over it, me getting over my nihilism and uh, you know starting to get uh, moderately happy about my. Uh, my place in the uh, in the system of things. Yeah, there's a very yeah. similar thing that happens with you know with general Gnosticism, where you, you know you come to the Gnostic texts, you read them, you say, "Oh yeah, I knew I knew the world was a crappy place. And yes. it, it's terrible, and th this is Confirm. why." And <laughs> and the more you read, and the more you spend time with these ideas, you say, "Oh, actually, there's a whole lot of optimism here." You know, it's mm -hmm. not just that the world is a terrible place. It's that the the world's a terrible place. But here's you know here's some things you can do, and here's what you can hope for, and yep. and all that. So it's just, it's the same kind of a process. Yeah, and you know, it's I I think when when you look at not when when I look at Gnostic thought, you know, the thing that comes across is that yes, the physical world is flawed. You know, it's all shattered and what have you, but it's the, you know, it's the actually, it's the part of the, it's the part of heaven you can touch. Right. <laughs> you know, and that's incredibly, you know, that's an incredibly positive, you know, uh, uh, thing to ha thing to say. It's, uh, it reframe it reframes the whole narrative. Uh, and again, that's kind of what I've been trying, trying to do with the book, you know. Uh, is re reframe the reframe the ideas that Lovecraft had, you know, probably causing him to spin in his grave. But uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, you know, as 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 a writer myself, you know, I know how the stuff that you don't think you're putting in there is getting in there, and that certainly happened. You know, that certainly happened with Lovecraft, uh, which is I think is why people still enjoy him is because there's so much to read between the lines. You know, so, it, you know, you can unpack it forever. And there's been, you know, 30, 30 plus years of, you know, you know, actual scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, lo the the Lovecraft studies have been wide ranging and, uh, you know, and pretty exhaustive. He, he wrote a lot, so there's lots of uh, not just not just fiction, but also his his letters. And uh, you know, he was just uh, he was just one of he was just one of those really prolific uh, writers. He produced a lot of material. So there's lots to lots to unpack from him. Yeah, um, you mentioned, or I think maybe Laney mentioned uh, during the video show. There's a, a there's, there's rituals in this book that like a ritual for not breaking and going mad and, and things like that. Can you can you kind of describe what a relayan does? Well, the uh, that it I don't actually describe describe any rituals. I leave that up. I leave that up to the individual. Um, I, I, I described one particular uh, 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 event 
Uh, and you know, there, there's there's some poetic license within it, but essentially it was, uh, you know, on Lovecraft's birthday one year, I went down to the went down to the shore and uh, you know spent an evening uh, uh, spent an evening plump plumbing plumbing uh, plumbing the madness uh, with uh, you know both with myself and uh, and uh, with whoever cared to show 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 up and uh, you know a few did because it's the beach in summertime <laughs> and uh, but without you know without going too much into it there's you know there's it's it's all about you know re recognizing when the madness is coming on and uh just sort of surfing that uh you know surfing that line uh but how but you know how the individual is going to do that is i i, I wouldn't presume <laughs> you know it's, especially when it comes to you know tra traditional magical practice you know, for for instance, in 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 that particular chapter, I talk about you know I I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't banish. You know, I used to be a dab hand at banishing, and I just wow. don't bother. I just didn't bother uh, because again, I, I feel I feel banishing, although it although it although it orders the mind of the magician and then enables them to you know act act effectively with within the circle. At the same time, it's 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 kind of a it's kind of an ego thing, you know. You're actually presuming to uh, put a limitation on these, uh, you know, primal forces. Interesting, you know. And I just for me, it just came down to well, why bother? This is about opening, you know. If you if you if you're if you're about opening the way, then uh, well, why are you drawing little doors in the sand? <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, I yeah. I don't. Uh, r r ritual is uh, it's 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 good, but I think it's I think it's one of those things that you know, as as you work with it, eventually you. And this is perhaps just my own experience, but uh, you you kind of grow out of it, or at least ritual is what you do when you don't know what you're doing, and then as you get as you get deeper into it, then it becomes more uh, more automatic, or at least more intuitive. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it does. Does that sound right? <laughs> well, it it does actually. I went to art school, and and one of the first things they say in art school is, "We're going to teach you all the rules so that you know <laughs> when when the right time to break the rules are." Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can make informed choices like that. Yeah. Um, Scott, I wanted to ask you a little bit. Now, uh, you're part of a, I, I don't know if you are an owner, but you have a, a publishing house that you work with and you do a lot of really interesting um, fiction and that sort of thing. Can you tell us a little bit about, a little bit about that? Uh, Martian Migraine Press. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little micro press. Uh, it's myself and a couple others. Uh, I've edited some anthologies for them. Um, it's it's basically a weird a, a weird fiction press. We do uh, a little bit of horror, some poetry when we can get our hands on on stuff that we like, and uh, uh, sort of a, a weird erotica imprint, uh, which is uh, you know obviously our largest seller. <laughs> of course, it is. It's like everybody's favorite chapter yeah. in your book is the one about sex. Yeah, that does all right. It's still it, you know that will continue to do all right for a while. Um, so yeah, and it's uh, it's been fun. Do we make do we make any money? Not especially. 
<laughs> you know, it's uh, definitely a, a, a labor of love, but uh, I've had the uh, good fortune to work with some uh, pretty fantastic authors, and uh, yeah, we try to do right by our people. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, publishing has become something entirely different from what it once was. So, yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a mess in there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the Wild West now. Isn't that interesting how it happened that it got, uh, you know, it w there were five big publishers. Well, first there were probably a million little ones, right? And then there were five big ones, and now there's a million little ones again. Yep, it's cyclic. It goes around, comes around. You know, it's it'll just, uh, it'll continue to grow and change, and if we, uh, it's... We're definitely resident. Martian Migraine Press is definitely resident somewhere, you know, in the far reaches of the of the long tail of of of, of publishing. But it's a it's a it's a changing ecosystem. You know, if you can if you can reach your audience and uh, there's a there's a there, there's a there's a connection there, then well, you know, job done. That's uh, all it was ever about, really. It's just a matter of scale, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Uh, my family ran, ran a publishing company for many years, and so oh, yeah, no yeah, yeah. And this was, you know, way back in the day, uh, mostly magazines, but um, also um, uh, so some books and that sort of thing. So I know, I know what it was back in the day. Right. Um, but yeah, everything. Good time. I, the three but, martini yeah, lunches. Three martini lunches and all that great the stuff. Martini lunches. Um, the other thing, well, the other thing is though, is is that you know, with the micro presses, it does give uh, people who are want to write and who want to write on very specialized topics the opportunity to do so, but also to get support. They may not know how to market themselves. A lot of people, lot of people have no concept of that. So, so the thing is, is you have to find the right press, but you also have to make sure the press actually knows how to market itself, yeah. how to market its, it's books, uh, that sort of thing. So. It's it, it can be a crapshoot. It's a lot of work, you know. A lot of folks, uh, a lot of folks uh, aren't up for it. I, you know, I don't even know if we're up for it, but we seem to be doing okay. <laughs> seat of the pants kind of deal, but uh, you, you start to get a feel for 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 what works and what doesn't. Let me ask yeah. you. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about ritual and about some of the other practices. Do you, do you have strong relationships with other um, alternative religious groups? Uh, in your area, or do you basically operate pretty much on your own? I would I would say I'm I'm fairly solo, uh, mostly because I've spent the last three years uh, being a new dad, and I just okay. haven't had the time. <laughs> <laughs> haven't ha haven't had the time to make those connections. No, no, it's uh, it's been a it's been a, it's it's been a deep family focus for a while, uh, we, which I'm loving. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we talk a lot about um, we're talking about the, uh, Rileyan, uh spirituality. Do you ever see this becoming a religion, or do you think it's going to remain in the spirituality in, in the realm of spirituality, more of an individual? teeth. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. See. No, it's like no. Uh, well, that again, that goes back. To, I I would I would rather not. I would very. I definitely don't want to see it become some, uh, you know, cheesy, uh, misinterpreted Lovecraftian cult. No, 
I would like it to be, uh, you know, if 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 anybody feels, uh, you know, connection with relaying thought and relaying ideas after reading this book, that's fantastic. Um, and you know, and Cthulhu bless. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, on, on your way, uh, because I just uh, would not want to see it go that way. Yeah. Uh, it would, uh, you know, as a, as a as a solitary practice, as as a you know, again, a, a touchstone that you could come to to w w with others and say yes, this and so for now. <laughs> uh, that sounds ideal to me. You know, yeah. we've, been, we've been we've been running with the uh, somewhat goofy hashtags of uh, keeping it real, yeah, and Cthulhu uh, Satva, uh, and and so on, just to see if folks will pick that up. And you know, it seems to be seems to be spreading in the in the way that memes do. Just uh, hasn't really got uh, gotten a lot of energy behind it just yet. It's still early days. <laughs> Well, absolutely, but it, 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 and I think that based on what I've read, it, this is the sort of thing that you probably just can't plan. Um, I had, I mean, you, you planned your ritual, but I don't think when, what, what, what I read in your book is that you didn't actually know exactly what was going to happen at that ritual. That's um, true. Yeah. I guess that could be said of the book as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. You know, I, it's, I, uh, I, I've planted my flag, I guess. Stratford yeah. said that the other day. He was basically like, "Well, you planted your flag. Now, now, if you know, if if it has any sort of uh, hooks at all, you know, somebody else will uh, write something more on the subject. That's really the that would be the the measure of success for me, I guess. Is, sure. You know, some, somebody takes up the re relay in thought and philosophy and uh, kind of runs in a you know same direction, different direction. Directions are good. Move. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's an interesting thing. I think that's one of the things that did excite me um, was that this, it wasn't your book wasn't just a, re a relation of your own uh, your own activities, but you actually there there you were developing something. You were developing some real ideas there. And as somebody who you know who has read theological tomes, I I I saw. Strangely enough, some some real structure in what you were writing. So that's what part of the reason why I also got excited. Now it'll be interesting to see, as you point out, if somebody take you know you've planted your flag. Now some other people to start to start to develop something that goes beyond fandom. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting to see. You know, again, I would, I would not. I was as surprised as you to find that there was actually structure in there once I you know, once I was halfway into it. But yeah, uh, if somebody wants to extrapolate, uh, more power to them. Do you think that's sure. a function of um, of you, you kind of mentioned this during the video show, but that, like the Lovecraft tapped into something um, and, and that was more eternal than you know uh, cheesy sci-fi. We're getting into deep waters there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I, I I guess I guess that's I mean. We're always doing this as humans, aren't we? You know, mm -hmm. we're always we're always looking at the formless dark and uh, you know peering real close and trying to discern shapes, you know, and then writing about what we see there and uh, you know, uh, you know, to some extent making it up as we go. And yet, what we're making it up from, you know, has this 
you know, has this has this primacy. Uh, so yeah, you know, Lovecraft. You know, one of the you know more uh, go-to anecdotes about about Howard uh, was he was uh, a number of his stories were written while he was you know half uh, half asleep coming out of a dream. You know, he 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 woke up and. You know, he he would wake up and find himself, you know, already already writing. Uh, hmm. Yes, I know how that sounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you see, that happened to me easily uh, eight years before I ever discovered Lovecraft. So again, it's something that happens. You know, mm. that's uh, you know that's something that happens to happens to humans. So uh, you know, maybe more of us than uh, we let on. But, I used to uh, try to uh, to wake up, uh, you know, if I was if I recognized that I was having a dream, I used to uh, try and wake up and record it in my in this yeah. little recorder I kept by the bed, and I was often yeah. surprised to find a lot of recordings on there that I had no memory of making, yeah. uh, and you know, none of it was particularly useful, but it was an interesting exercise. Yeah, it's uh it's one of those exercises where you keep at it and the brain basically says oh this is what we're doing now yeah let's let's you know how how long did you do it tony well how I, long was this experiment <laughs> <laughs> um i probably did it uh for about a year as much as i could remember to do it um yeah, i was good. in art school at the time it was a you know it was a thing that we were trying to do to develop new ideas for you know, artworks and whatnot. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good technique. That's yeah, a good technique. I liked it. And I often think about, you know, doing it again, but I like sleeping a lot. It's true. <laughs> we get to that stage. Yeah. We get to a certain age where you're like, I'm not waking up in the middle it's of like, the night. Uh, I'll remember, surely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No problem. Now, I, as I seem to recall, just from what I've read in the uh, the mythos, Cthulhu is 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 sleeping. Yeah, it's pretty much all of Lovecraft's entities are uh, limited in some way. Um, they are, you know, basically the stars have gone wrong for them ages past. So there's there's this sense of, you know, everything being uh, pinned to a cosmic cycle. And when the stars are right, these things cannot live. Uh, they're present. They're sort of in the implicate order of things. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you know when the stars become right, then they arise. So you know he's asleep. He's also dead. He's dreaming. Um, he's uh, he's there and he's not there. Uh, and this is true for Yogg-Sothoth. This is true for you know Shub-Niggurath. This is true for a, a lot of the a lot of the beasties. As I like to call them, are uh, you know s somehow uh, limited in, limited in their scope uh, according to our perceptions. Uh, so yeah, he it, he basically uh, inhabits this interstitial space. You know, he's uh, the Lord of Dreams is how he sometimes sometimes referenced. Ah. So he reads. So Cthulhu, uh, you know, is essentially as as a you know, as an avatar of madness, as an avatar of dreams, basically he's able to he's able to reach out and influence. You know, that's the that's the whole plot of the 
of Lovecraft's famous story called The Call of Cthulhu is that there is a call, you know, there is there is a, you know, a persistent tone, a psychic, uh, you know, a psychic vibration that reaches out from his mausoleum city on the floor of the Pacific. And, uh, you know, when uh, occasionally there are boosts in the signal and then artists and various sensitive types across the planet go a little go a little mad and make their bar reliefs and write their morbid poetry and you know some suicide and so on and so ah. forth <laughs> okay then <laughs> I, I i was just interested because i am used to in various esoteric circles hearing about humanity being in a, a state of sleep and our mm -hmm. activity being kind of in a dream but and in, in in this in this mythos uh the, the 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 gods themselves are asleep the gods themselves are asleep and we and we have imagined ourselves the masters right yes they've they've gone to have a nap and we've we in the meantime we grew up and you know thought we had the keys to things and uh you know turns out maybe not so much <laughs> <laughs> and when they wake up uh, what happens to <laughs> yeah well that's you know uh that that's the thing uh when they wake up is obviously that's you know, for for the for the dyed in the wool cultists, you know, that's the consummation devoutly to be wished. You know, oh, fantastic! You know, clear off the earth of all the unbelievers, and it just takes this very standard. Uh, how did that? How, how how was it put? It was, you know, it's it's basically, you know, mom and dad are away. Uh, the old ones will return and set things to right. It's it's a, it's 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 a juvenile conception. The idea that yeah. the re the return of the great old ones somehow constitutes a, you know, a standard romping, stomping, crush all the cities, biblical style fire and you know uh, apocalypse. Uh, but you know when you when you when you get down into it, a, a lot of what the return speaks about is you know it's it's a new you know again it's it's all it's 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 like uh it's like john's revelation it's a new order it's a new earth <laughs> it's yeah. a new heavens literally the stars change you know it's a new heavens it's a new earth um Again, a lot of the folks working within the mythos, at least those producing fiction, are you know we're we're producing uh, we're producing horror stories, right? We want to we want to scare people, uh, but I think some of the more interesting uh, pieces of fiction coming out right now are are you know going in the other direction of well, would it be so bad, honestly? Yeah, you know, um, and a lot of and and some of those take a very sort of you know, we've we've uh, we've ruined the environment. We're ruining ourselves. We may as well just, you know, uh, summon the great old ones and have them flush flush the rest of it down the toilet. Uh, <laughs> but again, that's coming from a very limited, uh, you know, on the ground human view. We cannot say what they would do. We do not know them. There is no way to really know them. True. So let us, you know, any speculations upon their plans upon their return. You know, uh, are entirely our own. Uh, in any case, it will be interesting. <laughs> oh, quite. Yeah. Well, we are uh, we're pretty much up against our time here, so uh, okay. I wanted to uh, wanted to give you an opportunity if you wanted to any final thoughts for the listeners. Any recommendations? Oh. 
Any recommendations? Sure. Uh, the last podcast I was on, uh, I uh, uh, someone asked me, I made a brief glancing reference to a, a wonderful book, which, uh, you know, as, as, aside from my book, which I encourage you to go uh, go get, um, uh, Reza Nagaristani's uh, Cyclonopedia. Uh, complicity with anonymous materials. It's a piece of uh, what's called theory fiction. Uh, I talk about it in the recommended reading uh, page, uh, page of my book. And it is as close to a functioning Necronomicon, uh, you know, uh, specific to my definition, <laughs> sort of the, uh, as I've ever come across. It is thoroughly unsettling and uh, incomprehensible in a lot of ways. It basically posits uh, sort of a uh, 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 an ant, uh, a guy in consciousness without all the floweriness of guy in consciousness <laughs> ah. that centers around that centers around oil, oil as like the black blood of the earth that huh. attracts war to itself so as to propagate itself further in an, in a, a planetary insurgency against the sun itself. It's just. <laughs> wow, that sounds kind of awesome. It's completely bizarre, and uh, there uh, he references Lovecraft throughout. He references a lot of things. It's uh, again another book that unpacks and unpacks and unpacks. And so, yeah, if you've read my book, or even if you haven't, I recommend uh, you know uh, reading them in tandem. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And right. how can people find you online? Uh, I'm at uh, I blog at uh, MartianMigrainePress.com. Okay. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at uh, pimp my uh, sorry pimp my shagoth, uh, so which awesome. I adopted years before I ever started doing this, and I'm like, well, I'll guess I'll just keep it. So <laughs> I'm on Twitter at pimp my shagoth, and uh, yeah. All right. That's uh, that's, All that's, right. that's 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 the two main places. <laughs> All right, terrific. Well, and we'll put links to those in the descriptions. And, uh, Wonderful. Yeah. So, uh, thank you all for uh, for listening at home. I wanted to give one quick plug for the Patreon campaign. Um, I wanted to encourage anybody if you've enjoyed our shows and if you like what we do, go over to Patreon.com/slash Gnostic, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com/slash Gnostic, and uh, pledge twenty five cents per thing that we put out, video or podcast episode. And, and if everybody does that, we'd be in uh, pretty good shape to be creating new shows and things. And there's a whole bunch of interesting fiction that I'd like to start producing for the network, but uh, we, we need a little bit more support before we can start doing that. And I think that ties in pretty good with what we're talking about tonight. So, um, so anyway, so uh, please visit patreon.com slash Gnostic. And uh, that's all I will say for it about, about it tonight. So thanks again, Scott, for joining us. And uh, guys, thanks for thank having you. me. That was, uh, that was thank you so much. His book is When the Stars Are Right, Towards an Authentic Relay in Spirituality. And uh, you can pick it up on uh, in, in digital version. I think all the print versions are sold out. Is that correct? Yeah, the, the, the initial print run uh, is, is done. And I think they're looking at doing a, a sort of a print-on-demand. So it's actually going to be coming to a lot more retailers. Mm. Right now you get it uh, mostly the e-version through Amazon and directly from, uh, from Martian Migraine Press. Yeah. And I think it's like a really quick delivery time with that too it's all through paypal of course so it's an awesome <laughs> book i recommend it highly thanks right. lady well uh thanks again and uh for everybody listening at home we will see you next week 
Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. This has been a production of the Gnostic NYC Network. For more information on this and all of the Gnostic NYC Network's programming, visit GnosticNYC.com. This podcast has been released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International License. Thank you.